Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. No. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when no. they're not. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive the, his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. That's Romans 13. Y'all, welcome up. I almost, I just, I almost nailed it. I almost nailed that. Sorry. <laughs> welcome to Apologia Radio. I'm very excited for this. What? It almost ended at the exact... Yeah, I almost... Yeah, I was just going to fade it out and I missed it. You're fired. (sighs) I'm fired. I thought it was great still. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. It's hard when you're trying to control all the things at once. And Um, wearing a vest. And wearing body armor. (laughs) Why, you ask, am I wearing body armor? Which I am sweating like crazy. It is warm in here. I am wearing body armor because we have a new sponsor, AR500 body armor that's armored republic and uh, i'm wearing the one of their i thought you got vests. in a fight with one of the guys that they're like i'm just gonna kill you and yeah, so you're worried just about ready your life just re- taken <laughs> <laughs> so i thought i'd rep them today you can Luke visit has them a lot of grudges i do held against him yeah, yeah obviously <laughs> well i think we probably all do but <laughs> yeah um ar500.com like i said uh very excited to be partnering with them zach and i got to get a tour of their facility this week, which was really, really cool. We got to see how they make all their different uh, levels of armor. And um, and so, yeah, I am wearing one of the vests. I'm wearing the steel plates, which are surprisingly uh, very comfortable um, for being like 50 pounds. They're pretty comfortable. And I've worn a couple of times out on the uh, the range and, and uh, you get used to it and it's not too bad. So, uh, but I, I will tell you, I want to tell you the mission of armored republic um the mission of armored republic is to honor christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve god-given rights and actually kyle i'm going to pull up the website right now oh you know what hold on i need to finish reading that sorry in the armored republic there is no king but christ we are free craftsmen body armor is a tool of liberty we create tools of liberty so very excited like i said here go ahead kyle uh, this is their website. If you guys get a chance to check out their stuff, we'll be doing more stuff with them. They're going to be sponsors at ReformCon, which I'll talk about in a second. 
and we'll be talking about them a lot. So I'm very excited to partner with them. Yeah, I would just say order your stuff now because they say when yeah. our when our freedoms go down, people are buying, you know, land to get away if they need to, and also body armor, weapons, and stuff like yeah. that. So, we, what did he say when we walked through? What did David say as far as why it spiked? Because of Ukraine. Yeah, because of the Ukraine situation, yeah. mm-hmm. and of course. Yeah, I'm at sure home. before that he had a few other spikes. Yes. Like with all the. Yes. Yeah. Just stuff not being being available. Yeah. And, right. I would say you know, tyranny. Exactly. <laughs> But if, they're, they're, if you're going to go buy it, which you should go there and buy body armor and all the stuff they have, just do it now because yeah. you might be waiting for a little and bit. And they, they have promotions all the time. And they're actually, what's cool about them is even though they could, they're not raising their prices on stuff right now because they could and <laughs> really kill it. But they're actually, I just, we I talked to them again on Tuesday. And if you go to the website here, you see about the Ukraine war, they're actually supplying some armor to some uh, Christian pastors there. In Ukraine, which is kind of cool. So that's awesome. Anyways, that's why I'm wearing this today. I'm not wearing it just to because, but there's a reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyways, speaking of Reform Con, um, I'll go ahead and I'll go to that website. Uh, you can pull it up here in a second, Kyle. Uh, we had announced last week that uh, we've gone live with registration. Um, here it is, and uh, I'm very excited about ReformCon. We're going to have uh, some really great speakers, including, of course, Pastor Jeff, Pastor James slash Dr. White, uh, Joe Boot, Andrew Sandlin, John Sampson, David Bonson. Uncle Gary? Uncle Gary can't come, though. He won't. <laughs> All right, I know he's David busy. We're working a on him. He'll be a new voice. Yes. I'm, we're, yes. I'm excited to have him. Very excited. So right now you can go and get the early bird tickets, um, and uh, we'll have that for a little bit longer, and then we'll go to the regular price. Um, we've been getting a lot of questions about uh, hotel. If you go to the site and look, um, there you actually can get a sweet discount at the hotel. Um, like a S-U-I-T-E discount uh, or a S-W-E-E-T? Both. Oh. Um, wow. Yep. Yeah, so sweet, sweet well played. discount. Sweet, sweet discount. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so you, you go there and, uh, uh, there are book lodging and you can get really great rates they're giving us for the rooms there. Um, and we've also been asked a lot about family pricing right. that is coming. So be patient. We were, we will be offering discounts for families. Um, so yes, very, very excited about that. Um, but anything else on that? Just no. come, Just come, come and uh, hang out. Come Just be, come. come be with us. That is October 27th. Through the 29th of 2022, that is Reformation Weekend, which makes it even more cool. Extra so. reformed points for that. Extra. F- just so you know. Yeah, yeah we, we, claim that weekend. Up. we claim that weekend. We claim that weekend. I don't you know. You know what? Reformation Weekend is ours now. So. Right. Yeah. Um, anyways, I'm going to get right in here to our guest. I'm very, very excited. Um, obviously, we've been talking a lot about the Navy SEALs. And how we've been able to get involved with helping them fight the cookie mandates. And we've had Davis on, our, the lawyer that's helping us out. With that, uh, we had on Jeremy Stalnecker mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago from Mighty Oaks kind of talk some more along those lines. Um, and so Zach and I have been watching a lot of Navy SEAL interviews as well as, well as Pastor Jeff. And I think Jeff sent us one probably probably a couple months ago maybe. Um, with our guest, Bill Rapier. I'm going to bring him on here in a second. And he was on uh, Mic Drop with Mike Ritland. 
and right away i was like this dude's a christian yeah absolutely. <laughs> and we need to get a hold of him <laughs> and so i very quickly uh uh talked to some people that might possibly know him and got his number and was able to talk to him and uh so i am super excited uh to have bill rapier on who uh you were 20 years as a seal correct Yes. Well, 20 years in the service, about 18 of them, actually. It takes about two years to get your trident, so about 18 of it, okay. actually, as and, a trident wear. And 10 years, or 10 deployments with Dev Group, correct? 10 combat deployments, yes. yes. Okay. Um, so, um, I'm very excited. Uh, Bill, why don't you just go ahead and tell us about yourself and what you're up to now, and then we'll ask you lots of questions. Roger. So, first off, thanks, guys, for having me on. Great great to be here. Uh my folks were missionaries, so uh, I, I grew up overseas. Uh, I lived in Germany for about eight years. I lived in Swaziland in Southern Africa for a couple of years. Uh, I would, I guess my, my understanding at the time, I would say that I became a Christian uh, at, at age five. I, I still remember being in the backseat of a car and looking over and asking one of my buddies if he was going to heaven and then saying the sinner's prayer and then saying, well, well, I am now because, you know, um, because I said the sinner's prayer Yeah. as uh, we can get more into theology as we, as, as we continue. But I, I, I would question how, how, you know, l- looking back on that now, I would kind of question that as, as I, mm-hmm. as, you know, as I grow in my understanding. So, um, but grew up in a Christian household. Uh, Germany was, you know, interesting place. Uh, was was actually glad when we when we left there, uh, and then loved Africa. Southern Africa is awesome. Uh, actually, for a long time, my my goal in life was to move back there and just do you know do a game farm and you know take people hunting and mm. raise cows. Uh, we moved back from from Africa when I was thirteen or fourteen years old. Moved to Colorado, and. Uh, so that was that was really the first. Well, this is the second time of uh, of going to an English speaking school or, or of a school stateside. Anyways, uh, the first time was for about half a year. I'd gone to a private Christian school uh, in SoCal, so it was somewhat of a culture shock. I, w- I would say going to going to school in in, in Colorado Springs. There, uh, I. I don't know, come, come about my junior year, I started playing sports and uh, started partying a little bit and kind of, well, really fell away from being serious about my faith. Mm. Uh, and then kind of was, w- went along that, that line, you know, never renounced my faith or anything, you know, crazy, but, but definitely was not living, you know, my life for the Lord. Um joined the Navy, uh, the day after graduating from high school, I shipped off uh, wow. to boot camp. So did, did boot camp at Great Lakes, then went to Corman A school. So the, the way the, the Navy or the SEAL teams worked at the time is you had to have a, a trade that they thought was somewhat applicable to, you know, on the periphery to the actual job of being a SEAL. Um, so Corman or the, the I guess normal speak for that would be medic. Mm-hmm. Uh, was one of those jobs. So went to Corman A School for a few months in San Diego after after boot camp, and then checked into Buds. I think it was I think it was Thanksgiving Day of '94. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, water and was cold. 
it it wasn't too bad in San Diego at, at the time. Uh, that was El Nino winter, so Ooh. it was it actually we had great surf that year. Uh, but uh, yeah, checked in and took me longer than most uh, to get through buds. I think it was. Well, I got rolled twice, so I got rolled the first time for uh, you know going through training. I got rolled for uh, dive physics. And the funny thing here was that it wasn't, uh, so this is post hell week. Uh, it wasn't really the, the physics part of the dive physics that I had an issue with. It was the fact that I had been using a calculator for so yeah. long to do long division that I had forgotten how to do long division and we were not allowed to use calculators. So totally failed the test. Um, got put into a super embarrassing remedial math course where like, on day one, the lady gets up on the chalkboard and she goes, this is how you add. <laughs> it was, so it was a little bit embarrassing, but I did learn how to, uh, to do long division again. And so aced my test the next time through, but still had a hard time uh, with the runs. That was just something post hell week. And, and I still don't really know exactly what was going on with me, but pre hell week, never had any issues passing any of the runs post hell week. I could not keep 11 or 1130 pace to save my life. I was so far behind the pack and so I got, uh, I think it was day one of Drager dive. So I, I passed, you know, hell week in first phase and then pool comp in second phase. That That's the big, you know, second phase test and then failed to fail to run in the morning and had to go to the basic training officer and stand in front of him. I remember him telling me rapier, uh, you've got two choices and they're both bad. One is cleaning out bedpans at Balboa and the other one is going back to first phase. And I said, well, sir, I'll take first phase. So I had to go, go to supply and trade in my Brown t-shirt, which is probably the most coveted item mm -hmm. in, in buds is, is you get your Brown t-shirt after going through hell week. So I had to trade the, the Brown t-shirt in for a white one and then uh, join up with class 201, which is the class that I ended up graduating with. And it ended up working out well because the, the pace of the runs was slow enough still with that class that I was able to build up slowly. And uh, so graduated buds took, you know, took about a year or so to get through, uh, then went through the dive med tech course. So basically understanding dive physics and how to treat that from a medical perspective, then drove out and did uh, basic army airborne school then went to 18 delta so i got to go to the last class in san antonio which was great because san antonio is a much better place to hang out than fort bragg mm. uh which is where everyone has gone since then so uh did, did our medical class there and then uh 96 uh drove out and checked into seal team three i did couple years at, yeah and, and if, if you want to stop me at any point let you know yeah go, no, go ahead i'll let you yeah, keep I'll, um, question. so i did did about four years at tilting three uh kind of while i was there i found out about this place that people just kind of whispered about called dev group and i i'd never even heard of it and then as i started as soon as i found out a little bit more about it i'm like well that's the place that i want to go mm. uh which the when you're a brand new guy you, you don't even say that you just you know, focus on, on being a new guy. And that's, that's a secret that you want to, that you want to do that someday. Uh, and so I, I screened for the command after my uh, first deployment and screen positive and uh, a couple months after returning from my second deployment. So, so when I say deployment, that that's a whole a workup and a deployment. Mm -hmm. So about a year and a half to two years for each cycle of a platoon like that, or at least that's what it was back 
in the late 90s. Um, so after returning from my second deployment, uh, drove out to the East Coast, and uh, then I ended up staying at the command for the next 14 years or so. Wow. Uh, until I retired. So I retired out of there in June of 14. And I've only been back to Virginia once since then. We basically on on the day after I was officially retired, uh, we'd already been living in a camper. And for the, you know, we'd sold our house, we'd been living in a camper for a few months. And so the day after I was officially done, we started heading west and, you know, great adventure it's almost eight years late i mean really um, amazing to think it's it's eight years and an additional three kiddos later and uh yeah and here here we are and you have six kids seven seven yeah that's awesome the youngest is uh eight months now so that's awesome how old's your oldest 14 14 awesome very very cool um so we'll get into what you're what you're doing now here in a minute. So th- just to backtrack, I want to ask a couple questions. You, I think if I remember correctly, you even though when you got rolled that first time, you didn't have to do Hell Week again, correct? I did not have to do Hell Week twice. No, that was uh, you know Hell Week beat you up pretty bad. So yeah, um, when I yeah the, the, both of those times that I got rolled, uh, and then especially the second time where I did have to join back with first phase, they did not make me go through Hell Week again, which was very nice. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so aside from the math and the running issues, what would you say the hardest part of Buds was? Hands down being cold. No, no, yeah, no. And any, any guy that went through a winter Hell Week will say being cold is the worst. If yeah. you ask guys from summer Hell Week, some of them will say running with a boat on your head. I think we barely even ran with boats on our head before Hell Week, and it was just because we had such good surf. Uh, it was that El Nino year, yeah. So there was there was days when there would be six lines of surf out on the strand, and you know, with tubes that would swallow. You know, they'd fold your IBS in half, mm. and and everyone would disappear for a moment, <laughs> and then you come bobbing back to the surface. So. Uh, so the instructor, I mean, actually not only the instructors enjoyed watching this, but all of the SEAL teams that were out there, guys would just come out and sit on the berms and just watch us oh get gosh. hammered <laughs> up there because yeah, it was, it was, it was actually pretty fun. Like in, in retrospect, much more fun, you know, paddling through the surf and, and getting crushed than it is to run up and down the beach with a boat on your head. Oh, seriously. So Pat, Zach is actually from San Diego. So you, how old would you have been? You said that was about 94. When yep. you were doing, how old would you have been? Um, I would have been 15. So you wow. do you remember that El Nino? Yeah, I remember year? the El Nino because it blows all the good fishing up in there. And so you can go out and catch, you know, uh, yellowfin and bluefin and, and albacore. But, man, that's such a blessing because the water is so much warmer. Because I was thinking about you going through it during, you know, Thanksgiving time. It would have been pretty chilly down in the 60s. But that El Nino makes everything warmer. So that was definitely a blessing for you, you know. That's awesome. Um, and you actually, so I, I was listening to some more interviews again today to refresh my memory, but you actually graduated high school early, correct? Yeah, I was 17. So just yeah. going, bouncing back and forth. So the, the German school system, better than, than American school systems, at least academically better. Uh, so when I, when I came to the States the first time, like I was way ahead. And then when we moved to Africa, I was way behind because I'd been, you know, it's embarrassing, but because I'd been at a private Christian school stateside for half a year and it mm. really 
slacked off. Uh, so I actually got rolled uh, or held back a year oh, in, okay. in Africa and then had to do a bunch of tutoring and whatnot to, to get me back up to speed. And then anyways, when I, when I moved back stateside, they said I, I should have entered as a freshman, but they had me take a test and they said, well, you can, you can come in as a sophomore, uh, which was great. So you, gra- how old were you when you graduated Great Lakes and were you still 17? 17. Yeah. And then I turned 18, uh, right before checking into buds about a month before. Yeah. That's, I mean, what was that transition like? And I want to talk, I want to ask you some more questions about growing up as an MK, but like, what was that transition like going from an MK to you're 18 years old and you just joined Buds? It was, I, th- I mean, it was, it was a big, obviously a big, big transition, but I, I would say a, a lot of it I had, you know, I had kind of shifted down uh, a, a different path, you know, away from the straight and narrow for the, maybe the last two years, you know, of, of, of high school. Um, so it wasn't a massive uh you know, it's just that a lot of the other people were doing the same stuff that I was doing. Yeah. Gotcha. So I, uh, I'm, I'm really in, interested more in, like I said, in, in what it was like being an MK. So my, my mom was actually an MK. Um, my cousins were MKs. So I'm very familiar with, uh, that sort of journey and lifestyle. Um, so I tell us more about what was that? Like, I know you were in several different countries. So tell us more like what that was like, just as a kid, um, because I heard I heard one thing you were saying. I think the Ritlin, where you're just like, I didn't really. I just was a kid. I was skateboarding, and um, but then like, I'm curious how that impacted you. Then once you joined the Navy, and how maybe some things you learned as an MK positively or negatively affected you once you were once you joined the SEALs. I would say probably the the biggest. Uh shaping thing of just growing up overseas, especially when you, when you are the only American kid at your school, is just, is you, is you see things from a much more international perspective. Mm. Uh, and, and then also you just, you know, geography makes more sense to you and, mm. you know, understanding different cultures. Uh, you know, I think there is, you know, that can be a problem with it. If you don't, leave the states or you don't leave you know your state at all like it's, it's very mm. it becomes very uh uh you think the way it is it where you live is the way it is everywhere in the world and so that that is one of the benefits of of being an mk is that it, it was very easy to pick up make new friends see that things were, were different i mean I, I was pretty good at picking up new accents like from different <laughs> different parts like you know, Bavaria is, is they speak German a little bit differently there as they do in, in uh, Langhagen up by Hanover. Um, it's, it's Hochdeutsch up there, which is a, a little bit different German. Um, so, you know, doing that and then moving stateside. And I remember wanting so bad to be, you know, American. Uh, I mean, this was an interesting just aside. I, I remember uh, one point thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I've lived in Germany longer than I've ever lived in the United States. And that really bothered me because, because as you know, very much part of my identity at the time was I'm an American. And I remember making a conscious decision that I'm going to stop thinking in German and I'm going to try and I'm going to think in English and I'm going to try and speak more English at home. Uh, You know, just because that, that was something that was, uh, 
uh, important to me. And, and so I, I would say that's another thing that, that is, uh, you're just kind of looking back on it. They, they used to say this about the colonies and in, in the, the British colonies that the colonists were more British than the British were. Hmm. And, and I, I, at least from what I've seen, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, just looking at when, when I lived in Swaziland, it was very much, you know, there were school uniforms and you had assemblies in the morning and you sang, you know, you are my sunshine. And, <laughs> you know, there was, yeah, I know it's, a, there, there were prefects that would run around with sashes on and they got to tell you what to do. And it was just, it was a different thing, but then also, you know, that, that American identity was very much uh, a part of me. I mean, when we lived in Swaziland, you could go if, as an American, I could go to the ambassador to Swaziland. I could go to his house and he just had a local indigenous guard at the gate. And I would just say, Hey, I'm an American. And he would let me in and I could use a swimming pool wow. and any of the Americans that were there could use the pool. And so that just that sense of, Hey, we're all the expats kind of hung out together and, like we'd watch the foot, you know, the, the Super Bowl uh, at, you know, like two o'clock in the morning. And I didn't even I don't think I even understood the rules of football until <laughs> like a year or two after moving to the States. And it's, but it was just a cultural thing that, mm. hey, we're Americans and this is what Americans do. We're gather with other Americans and do this. So. Um, so that was definitely shaping, uh, you know, in, in my life and, and kind of interesting, I think, to look at it now, because. Uh, now I look at my identity so much more as Christ follower above everything else. Yes. You know, the, um, I've, I've spoken about that at, uh, you know, once or twice for our, we do a independence day celebration and just, just laying it out that, Hey, this is, you know, America's great, but, but kingdoms rise and fall and God's people continue. Yeah, sure. Um, and so just, you know, I think it's, it, just interesting now looking back on it of, of how much like I really had that more, I would say more of an American identity as, as a, you know, kid. And then as a young man, than I did as looking at myself as a follower of Christ first and foremost, yeah. and an American, you know, second. Well, we're going to get into to that for sure. Um, here in a little bit. Um, so I forgot I was going to ask you, um, you said, I think you said that uh, you got into some trouble a little bit there your last couple of years of high school. Um, what kind of issues did that create for your parents who <laughs> were serving as, as missionaries and and you were fighting or drinking and partying, whatever? Like, how, did that cause issues? I was just curious. So I was pretty good at hiding it and not being, uh, you know, overtly rebellious. Uh, I've apologized to my parents since then, <laughs> the about, I mean, for, for lying to them. Um, yeah, I mean, like I was sneaking out and, mm. um, you know, drinking and whatnot. Um, and to, yeah, I was, you know, and, and, and I think part of where I, I maybe had a little bit of leeway was just in the fact that coming from Germany, you know, in, in Germany, I think you can buy beer when you're 14 yeah. and, and just the culture, like sure. our, the, the pastor of, of the church that we were at had a full liquor cabinet. You know, but but his wife thought that it was uh, highly indecent to put on makeup. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know, and so it's just a, it's an interesting, you yeah. know, in, interesting cultural thing there. So I think because of that, it was it was somewhat easy for me to say, "Oh no, I just had like one beer," um, yeah. and get away with it. 
a little bit when when obviously I had been consuming a little bit more than yeah. that. Um, well, just curious. So, what did your what kind of work did your parents do? I, I think it sounded like you maybe were supporting pa- local pastors, maybe in the places you were at. Yeah. So my dad he started working for uh, shoot. I think when he started, it might have it was still I think overseas crusades. The, the organization started in the Orient, so it was called Oriental Crusades. Okay. And then when it when it started growing globally, it became Overseas Crusades. And then when Crusades fell out of favor, it became OC International. And then I think mm. now it's just called OC Global. Um, at the time when we were with them, the model was very much send the, you know, the American missionaries overseas to work with, uh, with local pastors. Yeah. It, it wasn't like the church planting type, type missionary. It was work with local pastors. Uh, that has since morphed. Uh, to what I think is a is a better model where it's it's a lot more supporting indigenous yeah. folks at we are with with American enablers you know to put it in military terms American enablers or your pastors or teachers sure. going over there and helping with things um, and so my dad started his own thing back in the I would have been like mid to late nineties he started African leadership development and then uh, he's you know, been still working, you know, they, they actually moved back to, um, well, they, they moved to South Africa then when they moved back okay. there after I joined the service. And that was because apartheid at, at that regime had fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, so they moved to South Africa and then, you know, worked a lot in Zimbabwe and, you know, uh, now Mozambique as well. And okay. so they've got some orphan homes that they're, that they're helping with, and then also helping develop, um, the local pastors. Very cool. My uh, my great grandparents were actually they were missionaries in uh, Africa, Kenya, um, Rwanda area. That's where my grandfather was born, and then um, and then my grandparents went to. They were in the Belgian Congo um, in the fifties. That's where my mom was actually born in the Belgian Congo. Fifty seven, they ended up having to flee because uh, of civil war and stuff, and and were not able to go back. But um, so I very much have a heart for Africa as well. Just curious, uh, growing up as an MK, did you ever hear of the Rift Valley Academy in Nairobi? Yeah, I did. I did hear about it. Uh, yeah. My great grandfather helped build that. So, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, we That's actually cool. have uh, pictures. Oh, I should have had them up. I have some cool pictures of uh, they were there. Teddy Roosevelt was there on uh, safari and laid the cornerstone and stuff. Wow. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool that you actually. Yeah, I, cool. I figured because that's where like. Most of the missionary kids, even today, they still use a lot of MKs, go to that school in, in Nairobi. So very cool. That's exciting. Um, do you guys have any questions before I move on to the next subject? No. Okay. Uh, so I think one of the thing, one of the things I heard you say with Ritland that immediately was when I, I was like, I got to get him on. I think it's when you were, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's when you were screening for DevGuru and they asked you, when they said, "Well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill," was it? Wasn't that when you brought that up? Oh yeah. So this, I, I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Um, <laughs> so when I, I heard you, I heard the answer you gave him, and I was like, "Okay, he gets it. He understands it." Um, so I'm just going to let you go with tell us tell us that story and and your response, and we'll we'll spend some time on that. So I'm in front of a board. So I'm screening to go to, to the command and I'm in front of a board of uh, a bunch of senior enlisted guys, uh, a psychologist, a doctor, a couple support people. Uh, and they're basically, it's this horseshoe set of tables and you're sitting in the middle of it. And, you know, 
they're asking you all, all sorts of different questions. And then at one point, the, the psychologist said, or psychiatrist um, says, oh, I see that you, you know, you, you say that you're religious, uh, but you know, the, you know, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. And you're, you're trying to come to an organization where that might be required of you. How do you, you know, how do you rectify those things or, you know, and I just said, well, David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, and they wrote songs about the number of, of people that he killed, right? Saul is slain as thousands and David is tens of thousands. Um, so I said, I, I don't think uh, it will be a problem for me to do the same thing. Right. And then I think, because I heard you tell Ritland as well, then I, the, the word there in, in the Hebrew is not kill. And that, I mean, we hear that all the time huh. because, you know, because we have a huge, obviously within abortion now, we're trying to, you know, end abortion and, you know, the topic of the death penalty comes up a lot. And so we hear that, well, the Bible says you shall not kill. It's like, well, that's actually not what it says. It says thou shalt not murder. Murder. Yes. Um, right. And so there's a tremendous difference. And so I, I'd like to hear you as someone who spent 20, 20 or 18 years as a seal, like talk about that, the difference between kill and murder. Cause obviously that's something that affected you on a daily basis. Hugely. Yeah. So I, I guess for me, it was never a, it was never even a question, honestly, like from a young age, I, mm-hmm. I was, I was taught that murdering people, you know, okay. I hate you. I don't like you for whatever reason. I want your stuff. I'm jealous of yeah. you. I'm, you know, that, and then killing them, that's murdering someone, uh, shooting someone that is attacking your family or going to war and killing people is that's not murder. Um, so to, to me, that was never even a thing. Like I, it was not until significantly later that I even met someone that, that I was, you know, in, in a Bible study with, that was absolutely a Bible believing Christian that was actually thought that all killing was wrong, re- mm. regardless of circumstance. Um, so uh, yeah, just, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing at all. Uh, I, you know, as I've started teaching now and I, you know, I give a mindset talk and anytime I do a two day class on, on the beginning of day two, I do a mindset talk. And, and as part of that, we will talk about killing. Um, and I, I actually throw that, that old Testament analogy or not analogy, but uh, I just say, Hey guys, there's, uh, you know, how do we, is, is all killing wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of let, let that absorb for a minute and then say, okay, well, uh, there's this book and in that book, there's a set of rules. And one of those rules is thou shalt not kill. So how do we rectify that with, with every, you know, and I'll ask him beforehand, you know, most of the guys are like, no, it's not, it's not always immoral to kill someone. Um, and then I just kind of lead, lead down the, the trail of, well, the, you know, the, the word that's used more frequently is is used in, in the context of murder mm-hmm. than it is in, in the context of just manslaughter or mm-hmm. anything else. Um, the ancient Hebrew texts, or if, if we look at there, there's plenty of examples of if the ax head stri- you know, flies right. off and strikes your neighbor, um, you, there's, it's this penalty. If someone breaks in during the daytime, it's this penalty. If it's at nighttime, you can kill them. Like they, they had different rules. And, you know, so the ancient Hebrews had different words for killing mm-hmm. just like we do. So while the right. King James version is not incorrect by saying thou shalt not kill, because if you murder someone, you are killing them. However, it is more correctly translated as thou shalt not murder because not all killing is murder. And right. it's, it is super important that we, uh, you know, that we do wrap our head around that because if you, 
if you get that wrong, and uh, you know, just you now coming out a little bit more from you know from the protecting yourself side of things, if if you deep down inside think that that the taking of all life is wrong. Mm-hmm then that could lead to hesitation mm-hmm. and that hesitation yeah. can lead to regret because something happened that you had the, you were the guy you were yeah. there, you had the tools on you, you had the training. Um, but then you were still questioning things in your mind. Um, and that's really why. And so when I talk about this, I'll talk about it in terms of willingness yes. and it's so important to understand what our willingness is and to have thought through these hard things prior to being in a stressful situation, because that is not the time to start having those, oh, is this really the right thing to do? You have to do, um, we call pattern recognition, right? You see something and you, 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 you don't have to go, well, I'm seeing A and B develop. Now, like now the kind of the, the ears come up and now C and D and E happen. And then F is you dying, hmm, right? We, yeah. we should be able to see A, B and C and then go, well, I know where this leads. So I'm just going to go ahead and skip forward <laughs> and do something to stop this from happening. Yeah, right. But right. you only get that by pattern recognition yeah. um, and by actually by, by training for this. So um, I guess back, back to the context of, of the Bible, it is so important as, you know, as followers of Christ, we need to be. We need to know what this book actually says. Amen. Um, and, and then we need to apply it to our lives because you can't go, well, I believe this stuff, but yeah, there is this thou shalt not kill. And I'm just going to ignore that part of it. And, and you know, that, that's very, you, you end up with a very fractured theology. If you're, if, if you're just going to gloss over stuff, cause you don't like it. I mean, we, we have to look at it and go, what, what does it actually say? What does it actually mean? You know, and, and, and then go from there. Yeah, it, it makes complete sense for the them to ask you that question, though, because I'm assuming you've been in situations to where if you hesitated because you felt like you were doing the wrong thing, you would you'd probably not be here, and people around you would have would have died as well. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 it, you know so uh, at work, honestly, it, it it was never a thing for me. The it was very much okay. This is what the ROEs are. And I, there were times where I did not shoot when I could have shot. And it's because I was giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, so it's not just, well, this is what the ROE says and it's cut and dry and we're going to shoot re- regardless. There was times when I didn't shoot because like, you know, th- there was enough other circumstances there to where I was going to let it play out a little bit. Um, but it is, yeah, you just, you have, oh, I know where I was going to go with this. Uh, as I have thought about this more and I, you know, just realizing that I am in a position of, really, I'm in a position of authority when, when I'm sitting there and I'm talking to guys about, mm. you know, about fighting and, and, and protecting yourself and, and your family, um, the, the guys are going to listen to what I say. And so it is really, really important that I get it right. So I, I've become more serious, right? So just because it's right to do doesn't mean that we should be nonchalant about it. I mean, there was times where it was like, oh yeah, that was awesome. We just shot those dudes, high fives all the way around. And it's like, um, you know, God takes the shedding of blood seriously. Right. Not that it's it's wrong what we were doing. Right. But I mean, you know, David did not build the temple. Solomon built the temple. Uh, and my understanding is in part that was because David killed a lot of dudes. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so 
I, I think it is really important to, to lay that context to say, well, it's not it's not wrong and, and you shouldn't feel wrong about it either. That, that's another thing that I think is a real common. Uh, it's this cultural thing now where they they I mean, you look at any, you know, movies about killing and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember my first time. Do you ever get over it? No, the pain's always there and all this stuff. And it's like <coughs> I didn't have that. None of the guys I worked with had that on. Um, and, and, you know, to some extent, it's the guys that, that, that you're working with. And to some extent, it's thinking about things ahead of time and going, hey, well, this is not I'm not doing something that is morally wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. It is something that is heavy. Right. T the taking of life is sure. a you know, it is a serious consequence. I mean, I, I believe that probably the majority of the people that we killed uh, did not know Christ and therefore are in yeah. hell. And so it is it is a super heavy thing. Um but that doesn't make it wrong. And I, you shouldn't feel bad about doing something that is, is wrong. But also, like, I think I erred on the side of just, you know, high fives all the way around, like maybe treating it a little bit too lightly, mm. especially initially on in my career. Yeah. Um, later on, I would say I got more. Uh, maybe sober minded. Maybe more yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit more. I mean, I, I do remember actually praying for guys like when we're for wow. the enemy when we're like i knew that missile strikes were inbound and we were going to be landing right after the missile strikes and like these dudes are all going to be dead here shortly yeah. wow um and just praying That's you know awesome. that, i mean what they what they say to pray for for um for the muslims is that god would reveal themselves or himself yeah. to them in in dreams and visions right which is happening all across the islamic yeah. world it it's is pretty amazing yeah man that's i'm so glad you brought that up. i i i'm just curious like you know how how does that change your perspective when you, when that's what you do for a living compared to like you know you're you're working with guys that maybe are atheists or could care less you know they hate the enemy they just want to destroy them you know what i mean like how does that does that did that affect your approach at all um you know what i mean do you get what i'm asking like i'm just curious how that how that perspective changes you it makes you different from those that well, you're working with yeah, I guess for one, like uh, let's let's not paint too rosy a picture of me. <laughs> like, no, no, I, there yeah, was I definitely some stuff where I, you know, strongly dislike the enemy. Yeah, I sure. mean, shoot, so so many of my friends have been killed by those guys. Sure. Uh, you know, it is something that I have to pray for that God give give me a love for these people, and you know, and and being able to say, hey, the the answer is not killing them all. The answer is they need Jesus. Yeah. Right. That that that's that is the win is to share the gospel with those people um you know because ultimately they're you know they're on a path to hell and that's yeah. that's really sad and and so the, the the true win is to share the gospel with these folks so um that is you know i've had varying levels of maybe empathy or sure. uh you know that it's, it's been something i've struggled with is being uh, you know, being upset at those, at those people just, you know, cause a, a lot of my, you know, a lot of my friends aren't with us anymore and, yeah. you know, all of them from, you know, died at the hands of Muslims. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that a ton. And I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate your, your knowledge and understanding of the law of God. That's something we talk about a lot. And, you know, you mentioned that flying ax heads and, and all that, like um, that's, that warms my soul. So <laughs> thank you very much. Um, and that's, I mean, it's important. Like you said, it's important that we know what scripture says and why it says it. Um, and so just, 
I just I love it. Um, so I before I transition to the next subject, I did want to ask you like, um, was it difficult at times being a Christian and being in the seals? Like, um, I think it was. I watched the cleared hot interview with with Andy, and I think he was. I mean, you you. So I think you worked a lot with him, and yeah. it seems like he was he was like he like everyone knew you were a Christian, but like, I think he made a comment like maybe like you were like actually willing to talk about it. And uh, so I'm, I'm just curious, like, was it really challenging at times to be in that community and, and, and try to live as a Christian? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, you know, probably a lot of stuff that I would do differently if you're sure. placed in the same situation now. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff where I thought, you know, I was doing the, you know, in, in the world, but not of it. And, you know, where, where, where are the lines there? Uh but yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. There's there's a lot of things where I mean, it was, it was interesting. Some of the going through selection. Uh, I mean, and this was really a, this was a good thing that I, I a lot of times was not getting counseled on on performance. Guys were grilling me on some of my uh, beliefs and practices. Wow, um, which it was a great. You know, I, I didn't really like it at the time, but you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, man, that that's awesome. If uh, you know, they're asking me about my faith and you yeah. know why I wouldn't or you know, would or wouldn't do certain things. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's much better than, than, yeah. than talking oh, about sure. like, uh, why didn't you go right into this room? And, you know, why were your shots low on this one or, or whatever? Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely challenging. There's definitely times where, I mean, I, I did spend a lot of time, uh, especially as a younger guy still hanging out with, with the guys, uh, but just not drinking or drinking, not very much. Um, and then, you know, once I got married, I'm like, I want to hang out with my wife. I've, I've spent enough time. That kind of went away. Well, that, that reminds me, I've, I just thought of Proverbs 22, 29. I, lo- and I love this, this verse here, but it says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before Kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And so, you know, you're someone who was very skilled at what he did and um, was at the highest level, you know, and that puts you, like it says, before kings, like, and not before obscure men. But what's cool, I, I love what you just said, is they weren't even questioning you about your skill. They were questioning you about your faith, um, which I I love that. It's awesome. So pretty, pretty cool that you bring up that verse because my wife was just quoting that verse right before I came down here. Cause my son made a really good salad for me and I was complimenting him on it. And she said that verse, like that's awesome. you know, that he was, he was, he was serving. Well, that's so. awesome. That's <laughs> pretty so cool. Awesome. Oh man. That's cool. Um, so, okay. So I think naturally we could transition. I want to talk about Romans 13. I, 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 we get a lot of criticism, um, being that we stand, that we're theonomists, that we stand for the law of God a lot. And, um, you know, the, what we always say, like, Romans 13, Romans 13, obey the, obey the government. And, uh, you know, but ultimately, like, you, that's what you did. You were God's deacon. That's the word there. You you were the avenger of wrath, the sword, the punish the evildoer, and to protect the innocent. And um, so I'm curious because you, hearing what you said a little bit ago, you probably didn't really think about that when you were in, but now that you're out, you, you probably appreciate that more. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, honestly, I hadn't looked at it a whole lot <laughs> that way. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't, honestly, I've never, never thought about, you know, like, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, he does not bear the sword in vain yeah. or in vain. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Like I'd never, I'd never looked at myself in that. I guess mm. I'd always looked more of, of like local authorities, uh, you know, your police, your sheriff's deputies, like, yeah, I'd always looked at that more, but I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yes, I did fall into that as well. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Well, I'd love to have that conversation with you more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's that's well. That's how I look at you. So, <laughs> anything on that? Deck? Yeah. Just, I mean, I've got a whole. Go for it, dude. Jump in. I man. mean, he's been answering all my questions yeah. before yeah, I has. even get to them. So, and the first question you know. I had, you just asked him. But I was just um, thinking about all of your combat operations, and of course, don't talk about what you can't talk about or what you don't feel comfortable with, but. Um, has there been examples of God, you just seeing God like just move in a situation, um, just like the hand of God upon your life when you're in a sticky situation or a combat situation? Do you have, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of them, but maybe a couple or. So, so two things kind of stand out. Uh, one was one of the first ops that we did into Iraq, um, in 03. Uh, and we, we were, I think, a third third helo in. We were in on a forty seven, and uh, they didn't get permission to drop the power until basically we were on short final, I think. So, or, or, or the lead bird was on short final, so they took out this this massive transformer, and it just backlit us mm -hmm. as the helos were coming in from the city. So it was a bit like the first helo came in, dropped off blocking positions, and uh, like kind of the bad guys started waking up. Second helo comes in. And they set up, uh, you know, a corridor for us to, to do the assault. And like the guys were waking up and those guys got shot up a little bit. And then our helo comes in and we just got uh, shot up pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I after I mean, so it was it was, you know, like something out of saving Private Ryan as far as just like sparks and, you know, like seeing sparks in, in the helicopter. Uh, I remember looking out the, I was in the back, back right window on the 47, right before the ramp. And, uh, the next day we actually got, uh, the, the lead or the, the starboard side forward door gunner got shot in the head. Mm. Um, and actually that guy survived. We had two guys, two guys shot on that one. That guy survived. Uh, one of the Rangers um, was shot in the gut and he ended up, um, dying of infection a couple months later. Um, but uh, we looked at the helo the next day, and I mean, it's like a cartoon where if, if you were to draw the outline around where I was standing, no that's way. where all the bullet holes were. What? Wow. Um, so yeah, that was a that was one in uh, in Iraq, and then another one in Afghanistan in uh, Helmand area. I just remember like it was it was it had been a pretty sporty op. Uh, like at one point, I think we were taking fire from three different sides and, you know, calling in AC-130. So big 105s going off close enough. And this is before uh, the amplified hearing protection. So um, I had no no ear pro on. And oh, man. The, the 105s were going, were impacting close enough to us to where it was hurting my ears. Oh, wow. Um, so, but on that one, we, we ended up doing a daytime exfil, which, which we would always try to not do. Uh, just because the risk of force is so much higher taking sure. off in the daytime when everyone can see you and shoot at you. But I just remember seeing tracer fire rip, you know, I'm, I'm on the back of the ramp, of I think the lead 47 and just seeing tracer fire rip up and you couldn't see, I couldn't tell if it was going right through the helo behind us or right behind it. We ended up going right behind the helo behind us, but 
Um, just kind of, I, I remember praying on, on that one that God would protect those guys. Wow. Um, Cause that was, uh, yeah. That's amazing. Times. So have you, um, have you dealt with PTSD? Um, or not really, or is it something it's, man, I think everyone deals with, with some form of, with, with some form of it. Sure. The, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, being, being shaky or jumpy at times, or like, I've definitely had that, um, you know, whether it's having more of a propensity for, you know, some sort of a chemical dependency, like I, you know, I, I, I see where a, a lot of guys go, go down the, you know, those roads. Um, but I, I'd say for the most part, God, God has blessed me pretty, pretty strongly with, with, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's not a whole, <laughs> Yeah, there's not a not a whole lot of stuff that I, I, I honestly there's nothing from from work that I lose sleep over. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm just I'm like, well, and it sounds like you're just based off of what you said before, because you understand the difference between killing and murder. Um, you're able to actually minister to yourself if you do have a hard moment. Um, you'd be able to actually like walk yourself through it and give truth to yourself instead of just yeah. like being stuck in your feelings. Yeah. You got something to hold on to in yeah. God's word rather than if you, you know, if you're just out there, there's no foundation to right. anything. There's nothing to grasp onto, but I hear it as we've been studying, uh, you know, through different uh, YouTube videos and watching a ton of stuff. A lot of guys have this yeah. when they transition to civilian life. So they get out and then it's like, what do I do? And a lot of guys struggle with depression, like you said, chemical dependency. But you're saying you really didn't struggle with that. I mean, you it's something now, that the Lord kind of preserved you from, huh? Yeah, definitely you know, lots of grace. Um and I, you know, I think it's just grace being able to look at it and go. There's been very, very few times when you know, guys go, Oh man, do you miss it? Every once in a while, there's like one little aspect of it that I miss. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, you can you, you look back and you think of the cool times and, mm -hmm. and you know the the good post mission or like in, in you know you know ramps opening and actually in y'all state ramps opening and amazing sun sunrises over you know over the desert and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. accident. I mean, there, there's so many cool things, um, but. No, there's, there's really, there's not a whole lot of times where I miss it. Uh, I was very much at the point where, I mean, when, so when I joined, I, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to do 20 years or five years or whatever. And I, I remember seeing some guys, when I first checked into SEAL Team 3, that had, they were the old guys at the time. They were the senior chiefs when, mm -hmm. you know, when I first got there and they'd never done anything for real. Wow. And I was terrified that that was going to be me. Wow. And I thought, man, if I just get to do one real thing, then like, I'll be good. Yeah. And then, man, how how much that has changed, you know, went from like thinking, oh, just one big mesh to, man, there was points where we were doing multiple, multiple hits in a day. And if you, if you were sitting around for, for more than a few hours, you're like, what the heck's going on, man? This is lame, you know, uh, <laughs> just because the, you know, the op tempo had really, had, you know, had really picked up. Um, so you did 10 combat deployments. Do you know the number of ops you did within that? No. Just hundreds and hundreds? 
paramount. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I guess where, where I was going with this is by by the time I got married and then started having kids and and then honestly part part of it did play in with with uh, the political administration like yeah um it's one of the things that really bothered me yeah. is we I've went from hunting Islamic ex- extremists to VEOs violent extremist organizations and to me how can we even if, if we're it's not a nameless enemy that we're fighting we're fighting muslims right we're fighting muslims that, that truly believe what what the book says that yeah. that's the people that we're fighting we weren't fighting the radicalized ones we're fighting the ones that are actually following you know what their book tells them to do right um and i think there's a huge misunderstanding there because people go oh no it's just the radicals that are doing this and it's like no it's actually the ones that aren't doing anything are just they're you know muslims in name only or you know, they're not, they're, they're the ones that aren't serious about their faith. The ones that are serious are the ones that are fighting um, because that's what their book tells them to do. Uh, so when we made that, or when the administration made that shift to, Hey, we're not, we're not fighting Islamic extremists anymore. We're fight, fighting VEOs. I'm like, I'm pretty extreme in my beliefs. <laughs> you know, like how easy of a shift is that to go from, well, today it's VEOs of an Islamic flavor. And then tomorrow it's VEOs of, you know, of a Christian, you know, so yep. there was some yep. stuff there that, that, that really bothered me. It's like, if we can't name who our enemy is, how on earth are we going to fight? How are, how are we going to do a comprehensive strategy to fight that? So there was some of that. Um, and then there was also just a lot of, man, I, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. I served with some of the most amazing guys, um, you know, some of the most capable guys on the planet. Um, and like, we're, we're not going to win by just killing them all. <laughs> Like yeah. that, that is not how we win. Uh, I think the highest and best use for my life was, was focusing on, uh, you know, relationship with Christ, relationship with wife, mm-hmm. relationship with children. Um, and then church community, like that is a much, uh, you know, to, to borrow the real estate term, highest and best use that real real estate dudes talk about, you know, that that's how you price something highest and best use. So one of the things that I, try to look at a couple times a year is, is, is my life being, you know, highest and best use. Am I, you know, for the King, am I, mm-hmm. am I doing um, the best of, you know, of my ability by God's grace, mm-hmm. you know, for, for doing what he wants me to do. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so I, that, that's a long way of saying I was, I was ready to move on uh, at 20 years in a month when I retired and have, uh, you know, really enjoy what I'm doing now. Really enjoy, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're in a good spot in life right now. Amen. That's great. Mm-hmm. Just curious. Um, I like to ask this question. <clears throat> Where were you at on nine 11 and how did that affect? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that ramped things up pretty quickly for you. <laughs> I, I was sitting on the quarter deck actually at the command. I had to, uh, we had one of my, now he's a good friend of mine, a guy named swimmer dude who the, the teams would hire this guy was such a good swimmer they would hire him to teach us how to swim better this wow. guy swim he swims marathons he's done like crazy like 50 mile races uh, you know for nsw you know, like raising money and stuff like the, the dude's a stud so um it was a week of us doing professional development with swimmer dude and so i had to take someone else's watch so i was actually sitting on the quarter deck when the first plane struck and then I think I got relieved and was was upstairs in the team room when the second plane struck. And then 
I remember being highly annoyed that I had to go back and do Swimmer Dude all afternoon because <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we're going to war. Yeah. And uh, and they're like, no, you're not. You're going to do Swimmer Dude <laughs> training. Oh um, but yeah, it, did, it ramped up pretty quick after that. And uh, yeah, we started spending up. And uh, I mean, really, the nation has been on a war footing. Yeah much ever since i yeah. mean between all the, all the different conflict zones now uh i mean yeah pretty pretty crazy how long from 9 11 um until you were in country in iraq so the way the rotation ended up working i didn't go to afghanistan until july of 02. oh that was a whole uh, year. We, wow. almost a whole year yeah we we went uh we went someplace else first uh and then uh yeah yeah july of o2 yeah that was my first july to october was my first pump over there crazy so i think um so going back to the identity thing i and i we've talked a lot about this a lot lately um again we had jeremy stallnecker on for mighty oaks that's what they they do is help guys when they get out because you know it's obviously the number one thing that a lot of our vets struggle with is identity you know they you know, you're, you were 20 years of trained killer, you know, and you, you get out and praise God that you had, you know, and I think it's because you had Christ, right. You had a objectives foundation, but a lot of guys in that boat, they, they just fall apart, you know, and um, that's something that's been passionate <clears throat> with us and just, just helping guys deal with identity. And so many of these interviews that I've watched amazing stories, you know, and then, and then their lives fall apart when they get out. And I'm just, I keep thinking like, man, I wish I could just share Christ with them. <laughs> you know, like they need 100%, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing. That, yeah. That's what we need to be doing yeah. because that, that is the, you know, that that's the win that matters right there. Yeah. So I love the fact that, um, and a lot of these guys that we've been working with, I, I they're the same boat as you where they're like, look, I'm a seal, but my identity's in Christ. I'm a Christian first, you know? And, um, it's so important and it's encouraging to me to hear you saying those things like, look, yeah, I did all these things as a seal, but like, I'm a Christian first, that's my identity. And, um, so I don't know if you want to elaborate on that at all. I think you've, you've said a little bit on that, but I just, from, from my perspective, I just want to say how much that blesses me and encourages me. Well, I, I guess the, the one thing to kind of go down, is just the, you know, a lot of guys say God, family, country, and but then in the next breath, they'll be like, well, you know, she married the job. Like she knew what she was sure. getting into and versus, Hey, if, if we, if we truly believe that, if, if it truly is God, family, country, and, you know, and you know, country being many, many different layers of things. Um, but then it, it really should be our relationship with Christ is most important. And then next our relationship to our, our, our spouses yeah. um, and, and then children. And then after that, you know, country, you know, for me, country was, was part job, you know, part, you know, patriotism, you know, all, all those different levels. Now I would look at it as it, it's a lot country is really goes, you know, kind of church, community, county, state, you know, friends, nation, you know, like there's, there's differing levels yeah. of, right. of, of, of country where, where that, where that falls out right there. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's so. I mean, it's one of the things I told my wife when we got married was that, hey, if this is too much for you, you let me know, and like, and I will leave because, mm. you know, when when you get married, it's it's 
you know, work is no longer the most important thing. And, and I will tell you, like, I, as, as I look back, me going through buds was, was absolutely an idol. Like it was sure. the most important thing for me. Like, you know, whether I went to church, I mean, I wasn't going to church a whole lot, maybe like right before hell week. Or something. <laughs> um, but not, uh, and well, and, and it's, I mean, it's interesting. Like the, I definitely remember uh, praying, you know, uh, was it Philippians four, six, seven, I can do all things through yeah. Christ who gives me strength. Like, over and over and over again, especially, you know, on some of the times where it was really cold and we're yeah. going to have to get back in the water, just like constantly, you know, saying, saying that verse over and over again. Um, you know, but, but it's so, it, it's really liberating if you can, uh, if you can actually lay out your priorities like that, because then decision-making process in life is so much simpler because you can just go, well, okay, I can do this other work stuff, but this other work stuff will cause me to be in shady situations. Mm -hmm. And like, while I, I might make more money doing this, but then it, it's going to cause problems with, you know, being away from the family and all the things that that entail, you know? And so it's like, it's much easier when, when you can lay it out and go, well, God's the most important thing is this. And then every decision, you know, or every major decision, at least base it off of that. Is this going to, you know, draw me closer to, to God or, yeah. or remove me from it. And, and then, is this going to strengthen my marriage or weaken it? Is this going to strengthen my relationship? My, uh, you know, the impact that I can have on my children, you know, I mean, and that's, it's a, it's a fine line to walk, you know, especially for, you know, for, for me on the, on the training side of things now, it, it would be very easy to, uh, to fill up the calendar and just be gone all the time. And, but that would have a, it would have a positive effect on the pocketbook and it would have a negative effect on, Absolutely. you know, on the marriage and on yeah. the children and on, you know, ability to do really what's more important, which is, you know, how, how am I following after Christ? Well, it's, you know, through, through marriage, through raising kids to know and love Jesus. And then through being involved in church, you know, doing worship stuff, doing father, son ministry, like those things are really, those are the things that have a much higher, mm -hmm. You know, if we, if we talk return on investment, absolutely. That, that's the long, that's the long play right yeah, there absolutely. is to do, you know, spend your life in, in those pursuits, right. by, you know, chasing money or, or fame or power or any of those other things that the world tells us is important. <clears throat> How exactly. many uh, years were you married while, while in that's my question? So about seven and a half or so. Did that, when you got married, did that drastically change the way you approach it, and, and I've heard guys that say like, "Well, once they got married and started having kids, that it made it difficult for them to to shut that off when it was go time." Like maybe they would say they would take them. Like I've heard Christian guys say, "Like I did pray for my wife and kids, and then shut that part of my brain off essentially, and and focus on on the yeah. work ahead." Um, so did that? How did that work for you? So I, I I couldn't tell you where it is, but I know in the Old Testament. It talks about when, when the young men get married, they shouldn't go off to yeah. war for a year. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, man, I see so much wisdom. In that now. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I did not have the luxury of, of, of doing that. I got married when we were on a nine month cycle. So, um, I was spending three months out of every nine months overseas, mm. uh, and then three months stateside, but, but gone training sure. and then three months we were supposed to be at home so i basically had a six month window from coming back to to get married you know to ask her dad propose 
set up a wedding, get married, and then deploy again. Wow. Um, so it was pretty compressed timeline. Uh, but it, yeah, so that first deployment was definitely harder for me. Uh, right. It was also one of the sportier uh, deployments that that I was on. And uh, it de- definitely was was harder, I would say, mentally to, to work through some of that stuff sure. than previously. And, but then also, like, later, as I'd been married longer, it was like it kind of got back to maybe not quite the level of ease as it was prior to being married, but not nearly as bad as gotcha. right after that first deployment or right during that first deployment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got the uh, two weeks into, so we'd been, we'd been married two months. I go on deployment and I'm sitting in a tent in Jalalabad, Afghanistan mm-hmm. and uh, on a little Panasonic tough book, checking the, the, you know, hotmail or, or whatever the the, the the you know the internet was at the time and i get a you know she sends a picture of a positive ept oh, and awesome. uh so that was you know kiddo number one i actually found out the first four i think uh i found out either overseas like i just either just left for deployment oh, or one of them i was actually I'd taken a flight to brag and then like I had an hour or two before the flight. And so I, I called home and she's like, well, I picked up a test on the way home after dropping you off. And guess what? Wow. <laughs> um, so uh, That's crazy. sounds like your wife's also quite the hero. Yeah, oh, <laughs> absolutely. She is amazing. I definitely married up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, cool. So let's just transition into what you're doing now. And I mean, I, I love what you're doing now. And, and uh, I know I was texting you like, uh, some of your training stuff actually has helped me uh, in proficiency with with my handgun, so I'm, I'm appreciative of that. But talk about what you're doing now. Use this as an opportunity just to promote your your company and what you're doing and and the ministry you're doing and stuff like that. Yeah, so we have three businesses. Uh, the, our first one that we started the day after I retired is called uh, the full name American Tactical Shooting Instruction. Um, that very quickly, guys just started calling it Amtac Shooting. So. We now have an official doing business as Amtec Shooting. That's our website, amtecshooting.com. Um, and so it's a training company. Uh, our mission statement is to teach good Americans how to protect themselves and their families better. So that is really our approach. Um, probably the thing that I am best at and, and also most uh, passionate about is something that we call integrated combatives or pistol combatives. And it's basically uh, not just you know, running a pistol or throwing punches or using a blade, but how to, how to integrate all three. Um, so that's probably what I, what I enjoy teaching the most. Um, it's also what I generally try to get guys to do first, because when we look at the hierarchy of, of what are you most likely to use, well, for, from a you know, training perspective, number one, awareness, number yeah. one thing that keeps us alive. Then the next would be hundred percent safety with your tools. Right. If you if you're unsafe with your firearm, like just put it away, Like go get real training. But until until you sure. can be 100 percent safe, put it away. The next would be making sure that when you pull the gun out, it actually goes bang. Right. It sounds like a really simple thing. I've watched a lot of professional guys when when you put them on the timer or some sort of stress thing, pull out a gun and empty chamber. Um, wow. And then next would be clean draw stroke from concealment. So being able to pull your gun out, you know, pull your pistol out from concealment. Um, and then the next two, uh, and I put these on, on equal footing, uh, would be combative weapons retention shooting. So being able to throw elbows, 
basically grapple with with your other strong hand, what we call it, um, while you're pulling a pistol out. And then the other one is other strong hand only blade deployment and targeting. So being able to, from my left side, right, that's my other strong side, being able to produce a blade from there. Uh, so that if my right hand is busy, right, I'm swimming under hooks on someone or I'm doing whatever it is, you know, doing don't look at me concept or, you know, fingers and eye, whatever it is. Um, if, if right hand is busy, left hand pulls a lethal tool. If left hand is busy, right hand pulls a lethal tool. Uh, so that's kind of what that's what I probably teach the most of is, yeah. is those. And we've got six different specific pistol classes, all with with a little bit different focuses on you know different aspects of that. Um, then we also teach carbine work uh, and then also precision rifle work as well, which, uh, you know, I enjoy. And I really I, I enjoy teaching all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy the variety of it as well. And then so it's turned into a really uh, when I first started doing this, I, I really didn't know if I was going to be teaching mostly cops or military guys and just really got open doors. And my normal students are they're just they're good guys that are professionals and, and you know, whatever their field is. And they're just serious about carrying a gun. And so they'll do a class with me or a class with some of the other top guys in industry. And that's just what they like to do. And so a lot of these guys are extremely proficient with their tools. And uh, yeah, so it's just kind of been a really cool, I've made a ton of good friends doing this. Uh, probably more than half the places I go, I stay at friends' houses, guys pick me up at the airport. We hang out, like, you know, we get to know each other's families. It's just been a really cool environment. Um, and then well, I guess probably one of the coolest things is, uh, when we first did our website, uh, we have a, I think I call it primary philosophy and I, just, I put a statement of faith on there. And, uh, I wish I could say like, yeah, that was, we were going to do that regardless, but honestly, like it, it, I, I had to think about it for a while. Like, Hey, is this, you know, is do I need to be really out front with my faith or not? Um, and I, I really felt convicted that, no, you should, I should be bold about it. You know, if we're, if we're talking about things that matter, yeah. well, that yeah. matters more than any, any little strategy or any little tip or trick that will keep you alive for the next 40 years, right? Being right with God you know, through his son, Christ yeah. is, is the most important thing. So we put that statement on there and it's been a huge blessing. I mean, I, I get, I get a ton of guys that are believers that come to classes, but then also I get a lot of guys that are, that aren't believers that would probably never go to church. They would never sit down and do this. And on a, you know, on, on any two day class that I do, the first thing we do on day two is a mindset talk. And part of the, the end of that mindset talk is just talking about dying well. And you know, the, what's the, you know, the, it's, it's a thing now in industry dying well, and hmm. industry looks at, you know, firearms protection industry looks at dying well, really in a kind of neo-pagan, uh, dying with sword in hand, bullets in the front, vice bullets in the back type of thing, you know, charging into battle, protecting, you know, yourself or your loved ones. Um, and I just get to lay out for guys that, Hey, dying well is being right with God. Yeah, that's um, cool. and you know, that's and, and, yeah. and knowing where you're like, just having that assurance of salvation, not because anything that I've done, but because what Christ did on the cross for me is so comforting. Uh, and, 
yeah, I mean, you know, so, so I get to share that with guys and it's just, it's a super so cool, cool uh, um, platform and, 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 you know, and I've grown in doing this. Like, I think the first couple mindset talks was like at the very end, it was like, get right with God, you know, and then God has really given me a, uh, like boldness in this area. And yeah. I almost feel like they're little mini sermons now. Like I, I, I really like to, to just kind of lay out Peter and, you know, That's what awesome. makes a guy like Peter go from where he was to, you know, upside down crucifixion because he, he wasn't worthy to die the same way his savior was like, what changes a guy like that? And, and the only answer to that is the resurrection happened. Like that's the only way Amen. that people's lives are transformed. Um, so it's just, it's been a really cool, uh, it's been a blessing to be able to, uh, you know, to share the gospel with guys. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, Kyle, can you go ahead and bring it up? I got the website up now. So it's amtacshooting.com. <clears throat> and uh, if you guys are interested in the different courses, because uh, so you that's do our training. Yeah. So that's our training company. Um, I'm sorry. I, I no, go ahead. For two, two more as well. Um, then, then out of the, uh, you know, as, w- one of the things I've been involved in for a long time is uh, an organization called Syoc Kali. Um, I've gotten so much blade and fighting and mindset stuff from those guys. I mean, a, a lot of those guys are like, they're the guys that I go to. Well, Syoc Kali and Atienza Kali, those are the guys that I go to for professional development. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that they are almost all the stuff they do involves blades. Mm. Uh, and so that, that was, a something that I was teaching with. And so a few years ago, uh, I was having a conversation with one of my friends, uh, and we were just talking about, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if, you know, you had a fixed blade knife that would fit in your pocket. And like, I kind of explained what, what I was you know wanting and then, Hey, you know, talk to you later. And then like two months later, a blade showed up that my buddy made for me. Uh, and then that turned into, you know, we talk about it and, you know, like every, every month I was getting a couple more blades from him and, and we're just kind of going back and forth like this. And then it got to a point where I was like, man, this is really cool. No one else like kind of in our tribe community, was doing pocket fixed blade knives. So I kind of went to the guys that I respected and said, Hey, like everyone good with me doing this. And, uh, you know, with, with, with starting a business doing this and, you know, got the thumbs up from guys. And so that's how the, the, the blade, we call it the Northman. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the guy's name that, uh, that, that made those first, you know, a bunch of the, the initial prototypes and whatnot. And he actually just passed away, uh, this past September, um, due to COVID of all, of all things like, Oh, um, no way. So, yeah. So, and, and then, and then that has really grown. Um, you know, we have a couple different models now. Uh, so that's been a great business. Um, and then we just recently started Amtech gear as well. And that's kind of for the, uh, right now it's, you know, t-shirts, hats, beanies, stickers, patches, kind of swag stuff. But okay. the, the, the intent is to go, you know, plate carriers, backpacks, other other actual gear as well, um, in in the future. But that's our that's our latest. Sweet, venture. I actually have it up, Kyle. I don't know if you had the pull up or not. I have the amtechbladesup.com. Um, looking at the Northman right now here because I'm like pretty much all Viking, so I was like, oh, I like the name Northman because I thought maybe that's okay, what it meant, but apparently of, I was wrong. So speaking of names, um. I don't know how you spell your last name, but I feel like just the, you know, some people like, you know, if a kid named 
like Tom Burns grows up and he becomes a firefighter. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. rapier, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it makes sense that you'd be involved in weapons it's, training yeah, yeah. or I don't Some, know. <laughs> somewhat ironic, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was all the, built in right there for you. You had to live up to the name. Rapier is a thrusting sword. Yeah. Right? That's so, cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think that's there. what they use in like fencing. Really? Mostly, huh. yeah. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, there was... So yeah, I I appreciate. I mean, just talking about blades real quick. Um, you convinced me to get a fixed blade, so thank you for that, sir. Because uh, I always carried awesome. a folded one, which I still carry as well. I just use that to open stuff. But yeah, I think I think Zach sent me a video when you were talking about fixed blades, and I was just like, yeah, I should have a fixed blade, so I carry one. And um, and then, but I love that. I love the the Northman and that it's small that you can stick it in your pocket. You know, because I know I've seen how you carry yours in your belt, but. I may or may not have some overlapping flesh that makes it a little difficult to carry so, in my belt line, you know. So I love the fact that you can shove it in your pocket and it's it's not gonna, you can conceal it and no one's gonna know yeah. what's going on. So. Most most guys look at it and they think it's a folder, and I actually do. I carry the Northman on my strong side in my pocket, and then I carry either a Magnus or a Minuteman on my other strong side on my belt line. Um, and that's that's what I would tell everyone to do if you are, if you already carry a gun. Like put put the blade on your other strong yeah. side because being able to deploy a lethal tool with either hand makes you an order of magnitude harder to deal with. Uh, I mean, just it's it's hard to control both yeah. hands and and then sure. draw your own tools at the same time. Sure. Um. So it's it's a yeah. No, I appreciate I appreciate that so much. Um, <laughs> and one thing one thing quickly, I, I I know we've been going a while here, but one thing we learned from our our seal buddies and I've you know, I've heard you say some more things is just, you know, like it, it's all about control and, um, you know, you want to evade first, right? Like I think as, I think as guys, we like kind of get macho and we like, you know, we, we like have fantasies about, you know, someone attacking us and beating them up and stuff like that. And, and one thing I've learned is just like, no, you want to, that's last ditch effort. You know, um, you, you want to, and I know that's some of the training you do is like, you want to evade first, um, but when it's go time, it's go time, you know, <clears throat> but like that's last ditch effort. It's not, it's not worth that. I think I heard you telling Ritlin, like, you know, you could do that and you could go to jail and then your family doesn't have you, you know, or you could just, you know, take an L on this one and, and yeah, walk take, away. take a, ver- take a verbal loss. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and go home and, and eat dinner and, and be like, man, I, I had, I had such a good comeback and I thought about it 30 minutes later. <laughs> like, <laughs> That your life is so much better yeah. than, you know, winning the confrontation um, and then, you know, and then paying the consequence. I mean, one of the one of the big things I always try and put out in a class is that it, it is always a higher level win um, to win with a lower level of violence. Right. Mm, if you can good. either, you know, whether it's whether it's talking and making a joke or, you know, buying a guy a beer, whatever it is, like I'd rather take a verbal L Um then burn the guy, even if I'm, you know, and I think the more you train, the more you're also like, there's no one, well, hopefully the older and more mature you get, there's no longer the, could I take this guy or not? It's just like, <laughs> okay. Like it's not number one. There are no more, there are no fair fights, right. That, that only happens like at a wrestling match or like, you know, very much in tribe It's the only way there's yeah. going to ever be a, a fair fight. And hopefully as we get older and more mature, like we're not doing those anymore. Yeah. Um, so you have to realize that, man, if, if as a guy that is carrying tools and proficient at using tools, it's incumbent on you not to get involved in any kind of altercation because you're like, 
you, what happens if you start to lose? You're like, yeah. oh, this guy's weaker and smaller than me, so I can push him around. And then he's like a really good grappler. And he takes you down and goes knee on belly and starts bouncing your head off the concrete. You know, the, at that point, it's not a bar fight anymore. At that point, it's I'm going to die. Yeah. And guys that that train with and carry tools will will use them at that point. And mm-hmm. so it's we way better just, hey, you know, think through that. It goes right back to that willingness piece. You know, think through your willingness ahead of time. Yeah. Think through what what am I willing to do under what circumstances? Does this make sense? Talk about it with your wife. Socialize it amongst yeah. your peers. Like, hey, if this happens, this is what we're gonna do. And I mean, I mean, so I think we can do that violence wise, but you know, and we should do that violence wise. But I think now with, uh, I think you could also tie that in somewhat with with tyranny and. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, at, at what, like, what is the correct response if, if you know, this happens? Yeah. What are we going to do? Because the, the, the answer is probably not, you know, we're going to put our cold plate carriers on and go start shooting people. Right, That's yeah. probably exactly. not the correct response. Right. You know, right. the correct response is probably some sort of nonviolent. Uh, Defensive posture. Maybe non, yeah. non-compliance. Yeah. So, you know, like, hey, make, you know, make them do something to you that, you know, so we get the, the IO win basically yeah. like, cause we're, we, you, you can't, you can't go first and something like that. Right. You have to, um, you know, which is why you have to think through that willingness Absolutely. piece ahead of time. Like, uh, you know, and you might learn that guys around you are like, you might cut guys away because they're posturing a lot and they're saying, Oh, I'm going to do this if mm. this happens. And I, and they're like, no dude, like I'm not good with, you know, cause especially when we start, you know, kind of crossing over into, you know, the protection side of things and the Liberty side of things, right. Not, not everyone on that side is, is believers or are believers. Right. We have to look at that and go, well, you know, anything that I'm rogering up to do, like I I better make sure that fits in with my theology as well. Sure, right. Otherwise, you know, I don't have a congruent worldview. And and again, you're just going to end up with regret because maybe you've got a group of guys and you've been posturing and then you get painted into a corner and it's like, no, you know, you know, get those identities, right. Figure out, yeah. you know, think those things through ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the, the, the mindset conversation is, you know, if, one, if you have the tools, you better know how to use them. Don't just be carrying around just to carry them around, yeah. like know how to use them. But two, like you said, like you need to think ahead and be ready to, if, you know, God forbid you are faced with a situation like that, you should know ahead of time how you're going to respond. Uh, you, you know, you should be trained. You should think through those things and, right. and not wait until the moment of surprise. And, you know, one thing we learned a lot from our guys, and you probably know the talk is, you know, our biggest enemy is our ego, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like put your ego to death. Like that's not the time to, to be showing your ego. Like, I was going to say, it kind of sounds like, I mean, obviously I'm a female, but it kind of sounds like an important lesson yeah. just to learn as in general. a man, <laughs> like, but you know, yeah. just Absolutely. when, when to fight what you're willing to don't, yeah. you know, don't just fly by the seat of your pants. Like yeah. have some, put some thought into it. Amen. Yeah, Cause, cause there, there is a time to step up and do it. Oh, sure. Right. And Absolutely. there's also a time to say, no, this is like, this is not the time. And, yeah. and, and knowing Knowing those two, when when each of those is correct, is is where the the wisdom comes in. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, that that brings me to, to the last thing here. I know we've had kept you for a while, and I appreciate your time. But um, so you are uh, 
an elder at your church, and I and um, it's, I know it's a small country church, and we'll keep that name uh, to ourselves for now. But uh, um, you do a really cool ministry, which I'm really excited about. Was the so called father son ministry? Is that what you call it? Yes. Um, and so a lot of what we just talked about is what you do in that ministry. Um, so just tell us about that and the things you do. I'm I love what you what you guys are doing. So father son ministry uh, started. Well, it started when we got out here and uh, I'd kind of gotten part of the idea from uh, you guys familiar with Colonel Cooper. He's actually, it was an Arizona guy, like World War II vet, kind of okay. started a lot of the practical shooting. He used to do a rant in the back of Guns and Ammo magazine. It was, you know, Colonel's or Cooper's Corner. And he would just, some of his ramblings were trivial and some of them were very profound. Um, and one of the more profound ones was what should a young man know as he, grows up, you know, shoot and, you know, ride hard, shoot straight, like those types of things. And so that kind of got me thinking about what should a young man know? Well, obviously he should, you know, as a, with, with Christ follower as my primary identity, like that's, we want, we want our boys to grow up and know and love Jesus. Like mm-hmm. that's the number one thing that we are trying to espouse within this. Um, but then also they should be capable Right. So, so, and, and one of the great ways uh, to do that is with, you know, with, with grappling. Um, and then also they should, uh, they should know a lot of things about a, a lot of different topics. Uh, yeah. There's a great Heinlein quote that, you know, a man should be able to change a diaper and plan an invasion and cook dinner and all these things. Mm-hmm. And then he ends it with, you know, specialization is for insects. Uh, it's a great Robert Heinlein quote. Um and I'm, I'm butchering it there horribly, uh, <laughs> I love it. but, but it, it's a, it's a, like, we should know a lot of things about, you know, about a lot of different topics. I was woefully deficient on the, like, I didn't know anything about wiring an out, electrical outlet. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how to weld. I didn't know how to do plumbing stuff. Uh, there's so much stuff that I was deficient on when I left home. And so just looking at what, you know, I want my boys to be better than me when, when they leave the home. Yeah. Um, so the idea was, okay, this, this whole thing, we, we want our boys to know and love Jesus. We want them to be capable men. Right. So, so that is, you know, we're, we're doing jujitsu all the time. We've done boxing blocks. We've done other striking blocks. Um, we've done, you know, weeks long shooting blocks where that's all we're doing is, is, is shooting. But so in a normal day would, or the, the way it started, a normal day would go or evening, we would, uh, uh, start with jujitsu for 45 minutes to an hour. Then we do a 15 to 20 minute Bible lesson and then have another 45 minutes to an hour of life skill at the end of it. Anything from we've butchered hogs. We've, you know, it's fairly regular. The boys will build fires, Mm -hmm. do shelters, go on hikes, uh, change the oil, get a vehicle unstuck. Like just like man skills that, that you should be able to do. Um, and so that has been, so we've changed it a little bit because that, that kind of, that format was ending up being about three hours and, you know, with, with younger boys and especially in the winter time, like we weren't getting out of there till after nine sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've changed the format a little bit and now generally we'll do one of the things, you know, so okay. tonight we're going to do, uh, we'll meet, we'll generally, we'll, we, we pray first and then we'll say the Pledge of Allegiance after we pray. And that was a an important thing that, uh, you know, just right from the get go, God, 
sure. is ahead of, of of country. So you yeah. know, like that's the order. And then so we're we're gonna go for a hike later today, and then uh, or it'll be this evening. Uh, and then we'll probably do some sort of fire test with the boys as well. So as we've got some newer boys that haven't done it yet. So that just involves, they get a ferro rod and a single Vaseline. So cotton ball, and they have to get a sustainable fire going. So that's awesome. you know, that's three so inch, cool. three inch branches going. And if they do that, then we buy them a cool ferro rod that they can use to, uh, you know, that's to, awesome. to, to get the fire going. So, um, yeah, it's, we'll, they'll probably all need the cotton balls today, but if it's, if it's drier out, they, then we take the cotton balls away and they've got to find their own, you know, primary tender wow. um, to you. That's so amazing. that's just been a cool thing. And then, the, so the idea was, you know, originally it would be kind of a, a missional type thing and that, that the training would be cool enough so that even non-believers would come and then, you know, air quotes, suffer through the gospel in the middle of it. That's why we put the gospel in the middle. So you couldn't <laughs> right. uh, show up late or leave early and miss that part. Um it's really most of the guys are believers that come. Okay. So it has been much more of a, it's almost been like a Bible study. And, uh, and I, w- I would say it's been every bit as good for the men that are there. Sure. And, you know, and initially I was thinking it's mostly for the boys, but it's been huge for them. It's been huge for me. I mean, I went, when we first started uh, the, our old pastor, I'm like, Adam, uh, like, I, you know, I'm good doing the jujitsu and the life skill, but like, maybe every, you know, every other month I can do the Bible lesson. Cause you know, it was like a really big deal for me to, you know, to sit down. Yeah. It was just hard, hard to do. Um, and then, you know, by God's grace, I've, it, it has gotten significantly easier. And now, you know, now I just feel like this stuff jumps out at me. Like, you know, th- this morning I was, I was reading, you know, the 10 commandments just in prep for this. And there's a couple of things that just jumped out at me. And I'm like, that's like, we're going to talk about, the law and then grace. Like that's what we're going to do um, tonight. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been a great, uh, it's been super cool to, to, to do that. And we're actually, uh, I feel like we, we need, so we've got one, one of my friends is, has a chapter of father son mystery going on in New Hampshire right now. We've okay. had at various times, we, we had one down in Atlanta going for a little while. We had one in, in, in uh, Washington going on for a while. Um, I feel like there's a huge need for doing this. Oh, and I feel like at, at some point we're probably going to do some sort of 501c3 with, with father, Excellent. son, you should. Um, you should, with, man. with the idea of kind of train the trainer model. Yeah. Um, th- that's one of the other things with our new, that with the Amtac training center, that was one of these, we're, we're building a, a structure where guys can train and, you know, live and whatnot. And so it's one of the things we've been thinking and, and praying through there is, is could we do father son ministry camps there where, Hey, you come, you come with your boys and it's going to be a time of, you know, getting to know God more, having, you know, focused teaching times, focused worship times. Um, but then also like we're going to shoot guns and we're going to fight and you guys are going to go in the woods and build stuff and navigate and like do cool man stuff. Mm. Um, but with a, you know, a, christ-centered focused yeah um so Excellent. yeah you guys can be praying about that because i'm still not a hundred percent exactly what that looks you know i feel like when 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 it's go time i will know a hundred percent like this is what we need to do and i'm yeah. not quite, quite not there. quite there yet like yeah. the it's the momentum is building um 
So yeah, so that that's father son ministry in a in a nutshell, right there. I love it, man. And we didn't even mention you got you actually live off grid now, so you've probably had to learn a lot of those actual skills you're teaching <laughs> just to survive on a daily basis. Yeah, we. I mean, our our only heat source is wood. So yeah, I mean that's uh you know every every morning when I get up in the basically October through about April. I'm lighting a fire and wow. we keep that fire going during the colder months all, all day long. Are you chopping uh, all your own wood too? Oh no, no, it's, uh, no, it's like, no I mean, that crazy. there's not enough hours, so, not enough hours in the day. It's I, so as a, I mean, just as a business thing, like I've learned that it's, it is more like I'm capable of doing it. I have done sure. it. I will still do it if, if we have down trees and I need to chop them up anyways. Yeah. I'll cut them up into rounds and then now I'll have the boys split it. Um, I was going to say, yeah, when you have kids, you don't have to chop the yeah. wood anymore. <laughs> they're, they're getting old enough to do it. But it's honestly, it's just been a, you know, if I look at the amount of time involved for, for me to put up five or six cords of wood versus, you know, what am I not doing while I'm doing that? Yeah, sure. You know, it, it, be it, you know, making phone calls, talking to guys, you know, do, doing another course is just it. It makes more sense dollars wise. Sure. Um, yeah. To to buy the wood. Right. It's okay. kind of the, the bottom line. Well, I love that you're doing that. We we do a similar thing here, just not as cool. Not like not even in the same realm as cool, but like do some stuff ours like is that. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's, Actually, that's next level. Yeah, that's is. next level. Yeah, because Zach and I we're we're like carpenters by trade or whatever. So we're actually going to be doing one with the boys where we're teaching them like how to frame a wall and that's awesome. Drywall yeah. it. Yeah, we like call that. it biblical manhood training. That's yeah, so vital. Yeah, to, you know, to to teach the boys how to do that stuff, and to, to, I mean to teach some men how to do that stuff uh -huh. too. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Just we got to figure out how to teach them how to dress a hog. That's got to be like then we're next level. Yeah. But we're not there yet. I'll just I'll go buy a pig. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> Man, I I so appreciate you, Bill, and this just having you on today. Do you guys have any other questions you want to ask them? I know we're good. Running yeah. out of time on our own end here, so. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk some more. I know we talked about some stuff offline that we, we could do in the future. So um, love to have you on again sometime, and, um, yeah, God bless you, man. I'm so encouraged by what you're doing. Thanks, man. Awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks right. for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, our pleasure. <sighs> wow, that was awesome. Yeah, Joy is like, whatever. <laughs> I'm she, just kidding. She loved it. Zach and I are like all like yeah, we're school like, boys over here. Yeah, like, oh, some, yeah right. some of the uh, some of the SEAL military episodes are get a little manly. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, well, that's why we have you on here to bring some balance. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> well, you guys, thank you again, always so much for your support. You you keep the lights on. We don't have to chop wood to keep this place heated, so that's cool. Uh, we that would be... we thank you you guys for for helping us pay the bills. So. Doing this yeah. off grid <clears throat> might be a little it'd be a little tricky, a little difficult, <laughs> a little tricky, a little tricky. So I've done these before and had the power go out. Oh on no! Me. <laughs> now now it's uh, the the kids know like it, you know and Mariah knows like she can't run laundry. Yeah. Um, or, or run the dishwasher or yeah. anything else that might be a high draw um, when I'm doing a podcast because obviously we can't have the power going out. Because as soon as the power goes out, like five seconds later, the internet goes out. Oh, right. right. Um, that's so, hilarious. Yeah. See, that's, but that's what I'm talking about. So thank you. Well, I will say one thing that we've learned from our SEAL buddies that's been kind of our mantra is stay hard. 
and uh, get we, hard, stay get hard. hard, stay hard. And so uh, we're very thankful for that mindset. I mean, it's really this year has been difficult. Yeah, it's been yeah. a difficult year, and that's definitely helped us uh, stay the course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, uh, Joy, you stay, lady. I don't know, <laughs> stay, stay, mama, stay, stay, feminine. Get feminine. Stay, stay feminine. feminine. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, the rest of you, if you want to talk about a real message for today's oh, yeah. uh, culture. Oh, straight you know. up. <laughs> straight up. Um, so as a reminder, next week is our rally in Colorado and Denver. Pastor Jeff will be out there for that on Saturday the 2nd and for our bill there to end abortion in, in Colorado. And then we will be in Louisiana on April 30th for our bill there as well. So you guys can, if you're in the areas, please come help support those bills there. Absolutely. um, I think that's all I got. So, um, yeah. Awesome work you guys are doing on, on that, the, the anti-abortion stuff, by the way. Thank you, brother. Well, well done. I appreciate that a ton. That blesses me for sure. Mm -hmm. So pastor Zach, see you later. Alligators go to (laughs) AR 500, AR Republic and buy some stuff from them. Yeah, guys. And uh, enjoy the girl. See ya. Stay hard.